Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, what a guest. We've got a national treasure. The man, the myth, the legend, Craig Brown. How are you doing, Craig? All right? Good, thanks. I wouldn't say it was a national treasure. <laughs> That's not the way I felt when the... Uh, Last man to get us to a, yeah, I know. a tournament, you're a treasure. Well, I, now I'm a treasure, but then I don't think I was a treasure. <laughs> I was lucky I was at, you know, I was lucky with Scotland. Amazing, amazing. I was at five major tournaments. You know, people say you were the last man to get us to a tournament, but, uh, and I'm thinking, well, that's okay, but... I was at five tournaments, three World Cups. Alec Ferguson invited me and the staff to go to Mexico. Right. Then I was assistant, and that was 86, 90. We went to the World Cup in Italy. Got all this, uh-huh. I was assistant there, and then, then it was myself. And, and then I two, Scotland's only ever been to two European Championships. Now that is really worrying when you think, I think there's been 17 or 18 European Championships. And we've only ever been to two. And uh, Andy got us to, uh, the one in Sweden, and that was quite an achievement because only six teams, uh, sorry, eight teams qualified then. Now there's 24 qualified. Oh, still can't, <laughs> you know, can't, can't get it. And then I got to 96, so in a 12-year period, I was at five big tournaments. And then since, well, how long is it? 20-year period, yeah. I've only been to one. Do you feel like you didn't get the credit you deserved then? No, I, no, I wasn't looking for credit, but, uh, you know, I, d- I think I did. You know, I got to, uh, you know, the guys... Some of the knowledgeable writers, you know, they were very positive. You know, a guy like Bill Leckie was praised me to high heaven. Yeah. Jim Trainer wasn't here, right enough. <laughs> That's <laughs> a separate story. But nobody was any good with Trainer. You know, uh, credit where it's due. Eighty year old. You're looking magnificent. Eighty year. Yep, seventy nine. Hey, hey, hey. Seventy nine. Look- what's the secret? I'm, or is I'm that 80, a story I'm from eighty? And uh, eleven months time, I'm eighty. Right. So, what's the secret for for staying young? Uh, clean, clean living. Get <laughs> <laughs> like piety, clean living, and pl- plenty of drink. <laughs> what kind of drink? Uh, well, I used to say to the team, you know, if you gave them time off, you know, I was away with the national team preparing for a World Cup. I said, look, you guys think three laggers makes you invisible. And McCoy says, no, it makes us invincible. <laughs> well, I said, well, go and get pissed then if you're going to be invincible. But Brilliant. no, I've been quite lucky. The only illness I've had, of, well, if I Terrible knee troubles, you know. I've a replacement. That's what ended the career, wasn't it? Huh? A replacement left knee, and this one's needing a replacement. So too much dancing. I think at seventy nine, I think I should just forget it. Uh-huh. Uh, what type of player were you? Uh, they say, you know, I don't like to say. They say I was dirty. I was aggressive. You know, the people don't believe that, but that might, if any, if in any, I say it was aggression. You know, I, I, I was the guy when I played at the best time I had at Dundee. Shankly was the manager. And my instructions were to, he used to say, can you count, son? You're a school teacher. I said, well, I'm trying to, can you count? I said, I said yeah, boss. Said, What's one from 11? I said, 10. Get them to 10 as quick as possible. <laughs> and they identified the key player in the opposition. 
you know. And you were at Leatherham? Aye, and I had to, yeah, if it was Rangers, Ian McMillan, if it was Celtic, it would be, well, I played against Bobby Lennox in his first game for Celtic. Did you? Uh, his first ever game, 1962, and a young boy had come from Ayrshire Juniors, and he was playing his first game, and I remember the Shankly says, see this one you're playing against today, son? He tossed up with a sparrow for legs, and the sparrow won. <laughs> he says, he's got the heart the size of a midget's heart. You know, now, this was not true, because Lennox wasn't like that, but, but he described them. He always condemned the opposition. They were hopeless. Yeah. And he said, I want you to take them for the knee doing. Brilliant. Well, I didn't manage to get near him, but I managed to get him with the elbow in the face, and Bobby, I think he sees autobiography, the blood's running down. In those days, you played with the blood in your jersey. Yeah. So the blood's running down the hoops. And I did what I was told. Uh, that was the year we went on. We won the league that year. And uh, we went down. And unfortunately, Big Billy headed the winner. We lost 2-1 at Celtic Park. And Big Billy headed the winner. But the uh, great delight for me when Dundee, we went to Rangers at Ibrox. And, you know, I had been at Rangers. And I, I really fault Rangers badly, you know. People say, you played for Rangers. I said, no, I never played for Rangers. I was signed by Rangers. <laughs> I never played for them. But I've no love for Rangers at all because I've got knee problems. And Rangers did not have a qualified physiotherapist. So when I got a knee injury, I was just told, get on the weights. And there was no treatment for it. So when I went to the knee, the doctor says, how long have you had that? I said, 18 months. I said, that's criminal negligence. So that was, unfortunately, my experience at Rangers. Mm -hmm. So... When we won the league, when we beat them 5-1 at Ibrooks, you could understand, I was quite happy. How was the celebrations, are they? <laughs> quite happy, yeah. <laughs> um, so you scored had, four. Because you had to retire at 27 with your knees. Yeah. I thought it was too much dancing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, didn't get, I had a wee bit of dance, but... No, I had the... Well, she, if my knee had been treated properly, I maintain, and others, medical people say, the, you know, it was the wear and tear in your knee, it wasn't dealt with, even if they'd taken out the medial cartilage at that point. So I've got a scar from there right up my knee there, and I've got four operations on this one. Oh, so that's my excuse, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it always in your mind prior to retiring to going to coaching? No, well, I, I, I was teaching, you know, originally I was a PE teacher, so therefore that's just coaching, whatever. Uh, is involved in the, in the physical education programme. Well, p uh, football was a big part of it. Yeah. And I remember when I was at Dundee, I, I was full-time football, but I taught every afternoon. Did you? Yeah, and I taught in the schools there. I had a, I had a rota. And I, I visited one school two afternoons, another one one afternoon, another one two afternoons. And uh, the boys were there. They were in the bookies. Or in the, uh, Motherwell sorry. assistant, 1974. How did yeah. that come about? And see, back then, was the assistant manager just put the cones out or did you have an input? Oh, an input, I like to think. Yeah. The manager was excellent and uh, the manager was Willie McLean. What happened was Ian St John was the manager of... Uh, Legends. ..of Motherwell. And Ian St John doubled his money to go to Portsmouth, who were in the Premier League then. Right. And uh, Motherwell appointed Willie McLean, who was the Queen of the South manager. And I had been friendly with Willie in the coaching courses. And when Willie got the job at, uh, at uh, Motherwell, he invited me to come as his assistant. Now, I was teaching. I was, I was working in the air at the college, and uh, Willie says, ah, we do full-time, you know, until you go to the full-time in the college. So that meant, again, July, August, September, I was full-time with Motherwell. And I did morning, afternoon, I took the part-timers at night. I did three sessions a day. 
And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And when he was holding up, so I was a very happy boy. Mm -hmm. And Mullow had a right good team at that time. So you were dealing with good players in that, huh? Yeah, we were dealing with, uh, you know, Rennie Watson and Wark. That team, yeah. the other Watson, had Peter Miller in midfield. And up, up front, they had Pettigrew and Graham. Maranello we signed. That was the deal. When the St John went to Portsmouth as a manager, they couldn't afford them. They wouldn't pay the compensation, and it was 30 grand. So I get sent down to Portsmouth. They couldn't pay the money, so you can have any player. So you got and the back of the players? I, I, t I got any Portsmouth player for Motherwell, and I took Peter Maranello as the player, and we got him. So the swap was St John, the manager, for Maranello, the player. Changed days, eh? And Willie McLean was excellent as a manager. Was it always frustrating? Did you always want to be the main man? No, no, I was happy. I thought I'm lucky to be number two here because uh, Willie, uh, was, he was a brilliant... The McLean family, I think you'll appreciate this, are the most knowledgeable football family in Scotland, uh, in my opinion. The three McLeans, Jim, Tommy. Willie and Tommy, they all, Tommy, 10 years the manager of Motherwell, won the Scottish Cup with Motherwell. You know, Jim, his record at United, yeah. unsurpassed. Willie, three good, I think four four good spells as of different clubs. He was at Coon the South, he was at Wraith Rose, at Morton, he was at uh, Ayr, did particularly well at Ayr, Willie. So all three McLean brothers, brilliant. Yeah, and their like knowledge of the game, unbelievable. Uh, you got the part-time job at Clyde. Yeah. What was, uh, obviously you said you were enjoying it as an assistant, was it just the, the pool but, of being your no, own that, man? That's what I said earlier, that was Billy McNeil. Yeah. Because Billy was the Clyde manager. And uh, as I said earlier, I had played with Billy in the uh, under-18 team and I had been friendly with him. And when he was leaving Clyde, I don't know, I was surprised. They told me, Billy McNeil's recommended you. Now, I was the assistant manager at Motherwell and it suited me better, actually, to go to Clyde because they were part-time. And that suited my full-time job. job. Aye, so I was, uh, I went part-time with Clyde, but Billy had uh, recommended me. I've got to tell you about Motherwell before I get right, go for The it. first ever sponsored game was sponsored by Maryhill Carpets, and it was at Motherwell. And it was Motherwell against Celtic. And I'll never forget this. Maryhill Carpet guy, Big Peter, had a great idea. He'll deliver a red carpet, and the two teams will run out in the red carpet. And right to the centre circle. And folk will say, what's this carpet doing? Sponsor, Big Peter. So it was a great idea, but Peter's mistake was to deliver the carpet on the Friday. <laughs> because by the time we Andy Russell the grounds, we'd had enough for his hall in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> there was only a rug left. So I'll never forget the rug. So you can imagine Peter's got all his customers up there. Wait, wait to see this red carpet. Well, was only, oh, so the teams that were Celtic were out with it. That was one of the wee things I learned quite early from, learned from Alec Ferguson. You never put your team out first. They wait on you, you never wait on them. Well, was that his thing, was it? Oh, Alec, well, well, Old Trafford. Now now they go out together, the teams, you yeah. know, kind of hand in hand, you know. But in those days, teams were out separately. Right. Now, well, and you made sure, well, when I went down to Old Trafford later on to see Manchester United were never out first. They, they made the opposition. And at half-time, Aberdeen, when Alec was Aberdeen manager, uh, Manchester, they never were out. They wait on you, you, and it's just a wee thing. It's a little thing, so isn't it? Aye, aye. And I would hear Alex say in the dressing room, the referee would say, right, gentlemen, right, and Alex said, are they out? That was his first question. Oh, is it? They're just coming, well, let me know when they're out. I've got a guy who's getting injured, I've got a guy who's uh, changing his boots. Any excuse to make sure. But anyway, out went Celtic over this wee rug that was left. Away he went, and then out went to 
the, out them out for Mullow out next, big cheer, big cheer for both teams. And then I see me Andy starting the grounds when Andy Russell ro rolled up the carpet. I said, Andy, wait a minute. She said, what? I said, the referee's not out yet. He says, that bastard Davidson's no getting on the mother lost carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so Bobby Davidson. So I'll never forget, that was the first ever sponsored uh, game. game. Aye. Brilliant. And the first ever sponsored jersey. It was a brilliant one. It was Hibs. Right. They had booked it there. And they signed George Best, and you couldn't believe they, they got booked her right across the front, 1982, I think it was, when sponsors were allowed. And uh, you can imagine half of Edinburgh had number 11 Best and booked her. In the front. Terrific. Brilliant. Aye, advert for booked her. Amazing. Uh, you won uh, second division your first year as Clyde. What, what was your own philosophies that you maybe had that... Well, I had great training, great training for football coaching and management from Willie McLean. At, yeah. at, and also, I was on the staff down at Largs at the coaching courses. And I was, you paired you with an experienced one, the young ones, you know. Now, I got a wonderful uh, manager to work with was Eddie Turnbull, who was the Hibs and Aberdeen manager. And I was his kind of apprentice manager. And, it was, and he picked up so much from him. I picked up so much from uh, Willie McLean at Motherwell. So I went to Clyde and Billy had Billy McNeil had left a good squad. Uh, and uh, well we just we were flying up till Christmas, top of the league. And uh, then we get an offer we, they ran out of money. And Clyde never went to debt. That was the rule. We right. don't went to debt. Chairman says to me, a lovely man, William Dunn, we must sell a player. I says, Oh no, we're top of the league, Mr Chairman. You've got to sell a player. So I said, there's only two that you could sell there. Who are they? I said, Joe Ward, Steve Archibald. Well, get rid of them. That's true. Steve so I, I, phoned, I phoned every manager in the Premier League. We need money. And to cut, I'll not go on long, but to cut a long story short, Billy McNeil knew Archibald. From because, before, obviously. Because huh? he was the manager at Clyde. So we got a huge sum for him, 25,000. And then... A few years later, two, three years later, he went for 800,000. And there was no add-ons in those days. Right. You know, oh, I get pelters at Aberdeen just now. <laughs> they say to me, you know, you never even asked for an add-on. I said, never heard of an add-on at that time. So he went for 800 to Aberdeen, Archibald. And then I thought, when he goes at Christmas time, we're not going to win this league. We're top, but a few points clear. And he was a midfield player. Right, right side of midfield. Battling player, Billy took him as a midfield player to Aberdeen, and it was an accident, he became a striker. So then they transferred him for a million to Barcelona. So that's... So you've made Steve Archibald. When you were at Clyde, you got invited into the SFA youth teams. Was it Andy Roxburgh that, that invited you in? The history is, when Aberdeen, when if we come back from Mexico, the Aberdeen manager was Alec Ferguson, and they wanted him to be the Scotland manager. And he said, no, I'm staying at club football. So. Uh, and he told me, and this is quite interesting, when we were in Mexico, both Arsenal and Tottenham were asking him. And he said, I'll give them their answer when I come back. Well, a director of Arsenal met a Tottenham director and he said, we're getting Alec Ferguson. And the other said, no, we're getting them. And both clubs got a bit twitchy and they both went and got a, a manager. So Alec was a wee bit taken aback. Because, so he went back to Aberdeen after the World Cup in Mexico. Right. But uh, by September, October, Manchester United, Ron Atkinson wasn't doing so well. And uh, we, Gordon, Gordon Strachan, I think, said to the chairman at Manchester United, if you, you want, if you want success, get but if you want calmness, if you, if you want to rock the boat here, don't bring him. But if you want success, go to Scotland and get Ferguson. See, on Ferguson, when you were in Mexico, 
did you see him crack it? Did you see that temper in, no, in dressing rooms? Never raised his voice. Never. Uh, he sat, in fact, he would do a team meeting outside in the grass. He would pick the grass and chew it. And, you know, he was very laid back. There was no. In fact, folk at Aberdeen say, you know, it was only occasionally mm -hmm. he would have a blast. You know, and I know, obviously, I'm very, very friendly with Archie Knox. Archie's my closest colleague in football. Now, Archie was his assistant. Yeah. Archie says, I sometimes say, he, he said, but generally it was kind of low-key, but when he, when he told you something, you knew he, he meant it. Yeah. But he never, there was this hairdryer stuff that you hear about, I, I was how many games, 10 games with him with Scotland and uh, I never heard him raise his, he never raised his voice once. Yeah. He would talk in a conversational, like I'm talking to you, he'd say, well, if we got a free kick, any get one at your club that you think might be useful? And somebody would say, aye, I've got one. And I remember Stevie Nichols says, we've got one at Liverpool. I flick it up and Kevin Keegan volleys it over the wall. And I'm like, that's a good idea. We'll try that. You know. It wasn't saying you'll do that. I, I was amazed that it wasn't, it wasn't uh, dogmatic. It was, wasn't it prescriptive to the, thought, to the extent I thought it would be. It was far more democratic. What do you think? Shall we, you know, mind you, you had no, no doubt about during the game, you'll do this, you'll do that. Yeah, right. But, you know, it was quite, the whole atmosphere was laid back, but, but it was disciplined. Yeah. And there wasn't any, nobody was going to Rod Stewart's house. <laughs> uh, Andy Rocks, but he was a school teacher as well, wasn't he? Yeah. What was it you seen in you, you think, that he brought you in, in at the SFA? Oh, I don't know. He, he, I think, again, we met at the coaching courses when I was at Largs, and Andy would, Andy would bring big-name managers like Capello over to Scotland, and they would take him on a visit around various clubs to watch some training. Well, at night... He would bring Capello and Saki to Shawfield. We'll go and they say, you better put something decent on the training tonight, Brun. I'm bringing Capello, <laughs> honestly. And they they would, would be watching you coaching? Aye. Well, he would bring them and he would be giving them a, a tour of Scotland. Right. He would go and see Celtic or Rangers in the morning. And then to occupy the night, he would take them to a part-time team. He'd take them to Hamilton or Clyde. Well, he knew me. So uh, the boys will tell you, Capello... Uh, remember in his fancy smooth camel coat it was a muddy night at Shawfield it's not the most pleasant and it came to me he flicked it on the booted it and nearly caught it in the back of his neck and rolled, rolled it down the camel coat no way aye. So, yes. aye, the players tell me that even though I, I'm it's a blood memory but yeah. I know he was he says I'm bringing a guy from Italy you know and he brought Saki and he brought Cabela and he brought you know Andy would invite guys like uh, Moller Nielsen when he won the European Championship uh, up in, uh, when Denmark won it, he would invite them to talk to the coaches. So he had to entertain them, so. Up to Shawfield? He would, no, not, not everybody, but he would take them to where he would see, you know, he would go and see if, uh, Jim McLean, he would go and watch Dundee United train, he would go to Ibrox when he knew Walter was there, and, and the atmosphere uh, Andy created with the European people through the visits, and his contact with them was great because it was good for us. Brilliant. Uh, trips to Largs with a few people on saying that the most enjoyable bit is the bar afterwards. Where was this to? At Largs. Largs well, yeah, well, we're not denying that. <laughs> <laughs> who, would, who would usually be usual suspects at the oh, bar? Well, well I, I would, I'll have to indict one of my managerial colleagues who tells me 
Uh, he's the best manager, and we can't dispute that. And he won, or he should have won the manager of the year last year, he thought, but Stevie Clark got it. And this guy came up to me at the dinner, he says, why the hell am I know the manager of the year? Have you got him yet? Who is that? Come on. <laughs> he's won nine promotions, he tells me. Nine promotions? Nine promotions, this guy. Oh, I know who you're yeah. talking about. Uh, you know Dick uh, Campbell. Dick, Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> Dick was in charge until he got sacked from being in charge of the social events because we had a, a sale, we arranged a sale over to Millport and the boys were all to go on the ferry, the staff. See, they got the weekend off at Largs. Right. He did Monday to Friday, you were off Saturday, Sunday, you came back and he did the next Monday to Friday. So he did 10 days, but he had two days in the middle off. So the lads could go home or stay. Well, the staff all stayed and we had a nice weekend. <laughs> and one of the trips was the ferry to Millport, well, Dick, did everything, he, he went round every pub in Largs to get the, the trip sponsored. We're going to, staff's going, we drink so much in your pub, so that guy would give a bottle of vodka, the next pub would give a bottle of this, a bottle of Vicarly, a bottle of... So he had to carry it, and the, the ferry was halfway to Largs, he said, I left it like that. He left to carry it. On. So, would you believe the, the captain of the ship turned Go back for the, the carry. Don't we went back for the the, the carry. The Adidas bag on the Brilliant. on the harbour. Dick was in charge, so he got sacked from that job. And who, who took over? Well, I think there was competition for who took. Over. I think Jimmy Bone was well and running for that. Were you so. never a captain there? No, no, no. I was. I was low key. I was keep high. Don't believe that. Keep the low profile. Who were some of the best players coming through junior period, looking after the youth teams? The youth teams. Well. Uh, I had the under-21 team as well, and, you know, people say to me, uh, who are your favourite players? And a lot of the under-21 boys became national team players. A perfect example, Tommy Boyd. Now, uh, arguably, they say to me, who is your favourite player or your best? And I said, well, Tommy was the captain of Mullow when they won the cup, captain of Celtic when they won the cup. He would turn up with a bruised ankle, a swollen knee, uh, do you want me to play? I say, I think we'll need you. We're playing Russia. And this Kanchelskis can run. You're quick, Tom. I need you strapped. I said, if you want me to play, a few pills and a bandage. Now, That's gone for a game now, eh? He didn't that, get that now. No. I, mean, I always use him as an example. I think he, I don't know, but he's telling me, I think he had 53 consecutive caps. Never had an injury. And there's a wee rule there that annoys me nowadays. They're not allowed to pull out of a squad. Because if they pull out uh, without the doctor of the SFA seeing them, if, uh, the, the rule says if you don't comply with the summons to appear, you don't play in the next uh, club game. Now, uh, the Irish used that with Lafferty recently. Yeah. I used it with a way back. It wasn't a problem. I used it with McAllister. The chairman of Leeds United phoned me. The manager, first of all, Howard Wilkinson, you can't get McAllister. We're playing Arsenal at London. I says, no, he's coming with us to Sweden. He's going to London. I says, no, he's not. If he goes to London, he's not playing. So I had a, a set to uh -huh. Howard. At midnight, his chairman, I think his first name, I think it was Morris Silver, Mr. Silver, I'm the chairman of Leeds United. You're telling our manager he can't have, I said, he can't have McAllister. He's coming with us. He says, well, I've got huge investment in this club. We're top of the league. They won the league that year, 92 it was. Anyway, uh, I knew the, the FIFA rule and I took McAllister. <laughs> And the, the irony of it was that uh, 
Leeds went to Arsenal and won without him. Oh, did and we get beaten in three <laughs> with him. So, Should have took you know, him. <laughs> so I said to Gary after the game, I see they missed you at uh, Highbury. It was Highbury and everything. But, you know, the, the, the rule annoys me when, when I see so-and-so, are, they're pulling the player out. You can't pull the player out. And then you can ask him to be excused. Uh, but uh, you were asking me, well, we had some great young uh, players and a lot of them progressed into the full team. So when I got the job with the full team, I'd had all, a lot of the team. And, uh, Did that help you? Oh, I, I knew That's similar knew. to Gareth Southgate, England now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, I knew the boys that were coming through and a lot of the younger ones anyway. You know, and... Uh, you know, the Paul Lamberts of the world. And oh, guys, what a player. Right, I was going to say that. Tom Boyd, I'm not having a fullback. I need a, the most talented, I mean, not no just like who would play through Who was the most talented that you had? Most talented player? Uh-huh. Well, obviously, when I was in the dressing room, without a doubt, the best player, that was the assistant to Andy Roxford, yeah. within the dressing room, the best Scotland player ever, Kenny Dalgleish. I mean, he was in that dressing room. And I've got to admit that I'm never, ever... Uh, Awestruck, or you know, I'm not too uh, starry-eyed about a, a footballer, and uh, I've got to say I, would, I had a slight, I was starstruck a bit when Kenny was in the dressing room, but I, I became friendly with him and got on very well latterly. You know, and when I was down in England, and his, his son, he stayed. I was down at his place at South uh, Southport, his house, and his son Paul trained with us at Preston. I got on great, but Kenny Dalglish in terms of football ability, was so much better than anybody I've seen. Would he do stuff that you just... Unbelievable. And, and he, you, you're saying to him, he's not quick, he's not a tackler, you know, but he's got everything. You know, they just couldn't get the... He screened the ball, he yeah. shot it with both feet. For his size, he headed it. He was quite... Was he quite witty as well, Kenny? But, oh, witty, well, Andy, Andy Rockstar, he passed the ball in the training to Andy, and Andy flicked it up. And he kind of miscontrolled it. And he says, give me that again, Kenny. I'll get the old skill back. Kenny says, you can't get back what you never, ever had. It <laughs> 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 was always sharp. Oh, he was sharp. No, he was quickly. And then 90, you qualify with a team of Leighton, Goff, Collins, McStay, <laughs> McCall, Mo Johnson, Jury, McCoy, Alan McAnally. Aye. Some top players there. How, how were they players to work with? I had a great response from, uh, well, Leighton in the back three. It was Leighton brilliant. Leighton was brilliant, so was Gorham. Gorham had one season where Tommy Burns will tell you, he broke yeah. Tommy's heart, the late Tommy. And I've got to say in this interview, if you don't mind, Simon, because Tommy Burns did me the biggest favour, and he didn't know at the time he was doing it. I asked him to take the Scotland B team for a friendly in Wales. We were playing Wales in the big team, yeah. a friendly. I said, would you take the B team? And after, after the game, he phoned me, he says, as a player, you must put in your team. Now, he wasn't in the first team. And he said, I'm going to give you another wee hint, if you, if you don't mind. I said, no, that's why I'm asking you, Tommy. He says, we had Don Hutchison in that B team against Wales. He was brilliant. And I put him up front for the last half hour, and he ran riot. <laughs> well, I said, oh, we were playing England. He scored, didn't he? Aye, put him up front, and, and he, he roasted Southgate in my opinion. Uh-huh. He was far too strong and powerful. He bullied him. Now, if Tommy hadn't given me that wee... Wee nugget. Aye, it was... A, it was put, he was a midfield player with West Ham yeah. in Liverpool. Uh-huh. Hutchison. Remember him, says, stick him up front because the, the ball sticks to him. He's not going to get through in a through ball, but he'll do everything else. He'll head it. Get it in there. He'll uh-huh. win it. He'll flick it on. 
he'll control it, he'll shoot, and he had everything except pace. Now, there are, there are great strikers, not, not a lot. Well, I, I had Archibald, who leading scorer in Scotland, England and Spain. He had any great pace. Quick, yeah. no. uh, just on Italian, didn't he? Beat Argentina in a warm-up game. Did that add to the expectation? No, it did, I think, yeah. Well, I, I, did you I think you've ever had a wee chance of going far? Uh, no, we just wanted to, at that point, we just wanted to be respectable. Right. You know, we're not kidding ourselves that we thought we were going to be a, a winning team. You know, we, we didn't we wanted to cheer, keep the fans happy. That's important with Scotland. He's made an arse of that because you got beat for Costa Rica. Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that was unfortunate. But you see, Costa Rica were a better team than people thought. Right. And so were Morocco. I lost to Morocco in my last game. I remember. In the World Cup, but Costa Rica were a good side and had done very well in the qualification to the World Cup. And it was, uh, I think, a lot of misinformed journalists thought that oh, Costa Rica have no heard of them. You know, now they're football mad there. Yeah, these guys have got they were a good players. team. They were fortunate to beat us because we more could have scored a couple of goals in, in that game. But uh, it was a major uh, disaster, almost in par with Ali. You know, Ali had that Peru, Peru situation, again, yeah. you know, and, and I loved Ali too, so it was a shame. How was a young McCoy's back then? Was his part still decent? Still the same, yeah. Funny. I, I could do a whole interview in Go on, give us an Ali, give us your best favourite Ali McCoy's. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I can. <laughs> well, when he scored the great goal in Euro '96, and he ran, they hugged me after the game. They're saying to him, "Why did you run and hug the manager?" And he jumped in to celebrate him. They said, "I never ran to hug him. I ran to ask him why I wasn't on for the start in the other game." <laughs> you know, there was one when we went to the World Cup in France. We played a friendly. France didn't have to qualify because they were the host. Yeah. So they had a. They had a f series of friendlies and they invited a nice easy team to beat to give them conference Scotland. Hey. So, and we arranged, and I said to Jim Farry, who was a, I said, only take it if we get a game in one of the venues we're playing. So he made a condition, we go to St Etienne because we had to play there. So we played them at St Etienne and I'll never forget this, uh, I looked at the French team, that was a team that eventually won it, right? Yeah. And Amy Jackie was the manager, and he was a nervous guy, shaking, you know, before the game because he was getting a hard time. He couldn't win a game. Right. And uh, I said, how are you doing, Amy? And he's, oh, why oh, oh, getting in all the trouble? And, uh, and he was playing Guivar, the Rangers striker. That, Guivar, right, Stefan Guivar. Uh -huh. That tells you how desperate he was. So, <laughs> so this game, I said, I'm talking to the team before. I looked at the French team. I said, they're good. And I said to Burley, Craig Burley, I said, Burley, see if that Zidane crosses the halfway line in possession of the ball and you don't fucking whack him. You'll be sitting on the bench with me, young, big, come look, big, done, he'd, aye. I said, now make sure. Well, McCoy was on the bench in this game. So just in front of us, five minutes, what a tackle on Zidane. I mean, it was an assault. <laughs> I was delighted, but I thought he's going to get sent off. Now, I think the wee referee thought, this is only a friendly. So we're saying, is it a red or a yellow? So. He calls him over and he's a Spanish referee, but he speaks English. You are a bit late, number eight. You know, in the old story, Burley says, I got as early as I could. He says, but, he says, you are aggressive. He says, yeah. So he proved out a yellow and I thought, oh, thank goodness. So McCoy shouts from the bench to Burley, hey, Burley, when you got the yellow, one more tackle like that, you'll be joining your teeth in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to half time, it's one nothing for France. And this is where McCoy's comes in. This is typical McCoy. So just after half time, I says, Coisey, get yourself warmed up. And he goes, 
no a fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> now, anyone else saying that would be cheek. Yeah. But it's no cheek. You know, it's, it's, Just uh, his, his part it's good patter. He says, no a fourth time. I get warmed up. Yeah. And he says, oh, I'm going on. I says, well, we're thinking about it. You're, it's a foolish to say you're going on because you could change your mind or something. Yeah. Well, something did change my mind because Gordon Jury scored a goal. The best goal, you'll get it on YouTube. He's wearing a yellow jersey playing for Scotland. That terrible yellow strip. I and what a goal he scored to make it one each. Well, when a guy scored, you'll know as a scorer that when you've scored, the goal's twice the size the next time you shoot. Yeah. So I said to Jury, I said to uh, the, the fourth, effect, no, 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 we'll leave him on. I was taking Jury off. So McCoy comes along. I said, Coy, we'll leave it just now. So he comes along and he says, he said, he said, he says, Jury, one goal in six years. <laughs> he says, prolific. Look at prolific, he says. Now, you know, he's the kind of guy that you can't, you can't be angry with. Uh, you, you just know. love him. Ah, uh, you love him. He's so, and it broke my heart, and, and I, I, I don't mind admitting it, and I've told him, and I've told it publicly, I didn't take him to the World Cup. And now, he had only played, I think, 11 games for Rangers that season, and, he had a calf injury and he was in and out and so I decided not to take McCoy and Stuart McCall, two guys who did very well in the Euro 96, so I thought, I'm no phoning them, I'm no texting them, I'll, I'll meet them. So I phoned Ibrooks and arranged a meeting. I asked, I asked the lassie, could I speak to them? And she said, yes. I, so I, very, I said, look, I need to have a meeting with you guys. Well, I think he, he smelled a rat. Ali, you know, I said, uh, so I met them at Parkland's Leisure Centre, the two of them, and I told them both there and then, well, Ali was, he took it, but he was heartbroken, and he, he now jokes about it, he now uh, says, I think he spoke about it on here, uh, uh, he says, you couldn't pick a team, Brun, you know, that's <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> he says to me nicely, but I tried to explain, I did explain my reasoning, and I thought, if I take you, it's an old pals act, yeah. and I took, the young striker who I'd get over to see and you know with hindsight he was a good striker but he was different from McCoy. McCoy was a wonderful substitute when you sent him out to warm up the crowd got a lift yeah. I got a lift uh, if there are others you send out to warm up and you know, oh he's not well that's me. usually me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but McCoy stay so I didn't take him and he's not held it against me I, I, I've got to say he invited me on to his chat show and Talk sport? No, no, McCoy and Macaulay on television. Oh, right, okay, right. And uh, they had three guests. He had Leslie Grantham, an actor. He had Kylie Minogue and me. And he says, Kylie's a star, Brown. You're last. Uh, she's last, you're second. I said, okay. So 15 minutes each. So he does Leslie Grantham, who is, I didn't know, an actor from EastEnders, West Hampton. So he interviews him. Then... He gives me a big build-up. My friend, my manager, Mr Craig Brown, and they all clap, and I'm walking down in this, the theatre to go up on the stage, and I'm, I put my foot on that. He says, no, 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 you keep me sitting on the bench long enough. Get back to us. Well, I loved that. Brilliant. And he brought Kylie. Well, it was to be 15 minutes each. Well, Kylie get 24 minutes, and I get the last five and a half. Five and a half minutes with Kylie, though. No bad, Well, no, I had a whole afternoon and uh, right. uh, wait, waiting. But... but yeah, I had five and a half with, with McCoy. Right. But uh, she got the, she, correctly, she got the big billing. Uh, you'd rather five and a half with Kelly, too, wouldn't you? No, well, that's far too long. <laughs> uh, right, we'll talk about you getting the, the Scotland job yourself, because it was temporary charge first. How proud are they when, when you got 
named the Scotland manager. Well, they asked me to hold the fort, and again, I made another mistake. You know, I, I think back, I made two glaring mistakes. Uh, I've got to think of all the other times. I had 70 games, and I've got to admit that, you know, I, I, the others, I'm not trying to be immodest. I'm trying to be honest. You know, when I look back, I didn't pick a mis make a mistake, and many select, I thought, and I... The selection was shared with my colleague, who was Alec Miller then, Archie, and we picked the team, but I got, I made a mistake in the temporary job. I was asked to hold for the Scottish team. Two games remaining, would you take these two games? And I never for one minute thought I was going to get the job, because all the names were getting mentioned, Graham Soonis, Gordon Strachan, and these guys. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll just do my best. So one was Malta, and one was Italy. Now, the first one was Italy in Rome. Uh, sorry, it was in Rome, the Olympic Stadium. And uh, I learned quite a lot from that game because uh, I looked at the Italian team and I said, we're going to make sure they don't run over the top of us. So I dropped Paul McStay and I, I can't believe I dropped him. <laughs> and I, I can't, and I, I brought in Davy Bowman. Oh, wow. Now, they're different players. And I had, my reasoning was logical. It was... Baggio's got to get that, and David Bowman's a man boy. for Baggio. Him, so I put a man for man on Baggio, and I dropped Paul. Now, Paul's a wonderful player and a wonderful guy, and I met him just recently at the end of the season. The last game Clyde had there, his son was playing. Yeah, Chris was playing, that's right. And, and Paul was at the game, and over from Australia. Uh, so I leave him out of that team. Well, you can imagine the press right away and then I go to the next Celtic game and I'm driving and parking my car and I'm going up to the window by the way McStay's number 8 Brown you know <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course the, the announcement at Celtic Park they were playing a European game just after it ding dong ding dong today's football man of the match Paul McStay of Celtic and they, did you hear that Brown <laughs> you know? well that was a mistake but uh, why was I telling you the, I, so I had and I thought I'm not going to get this job we played Malta uh, after Italy. Malt, uh, but with, I think the Italy game, I've got to tell you, because you're a media man. Yeah. Or a, no, I'm not, I'm not a media well, man. Well, you're a kind of a media man. Well, you're doing a kind <laughs> of... It's because I, I always say, what a mistake I made, because I said uh, after the game, I went to see the warm-up that was being done by the Italian team, and they were, didn't they come out? And I thought, where are they? And I'm asking this guy, and he says, well, they're warming up inside. There's a full-sized indoor pitch at the Olympic Stadium. Right. And I went, and I saw a warm-up, and I, I, to coin a phrase, I was shitting myself because <laughs> the, the sweat was running down Baggio's ponytail, and the, the tempo of the warm-up. So I went in there addressing him, I said, sit down, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I've just seen a warm-up. I have never seen anything like it, the tempo. If we're not switched on here, we're up against it. So will be right, the first 10 minutes, be right into everything for Concentrate for four minutes, boom, 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 a goal, a long shot, big Brian Gunn was a goal, like one nothing. And I'm, I'm in that Olympic, I'm looking for a hole in the track to jump into. <laughs> another, another, well, I don't know how many minutes, another goal, two nothing. I said, oh no. Now, we're doing all right, I'm thinking, but luckily Kevin Gallagher got one just before half time, 2 1. After, it ended 3 1. Now, there was 80,000 there. They had to win to get to America to the World Cup. We had no chance of qualifying, so it meant nothing for us. Mm -hmm. But Hamden the next morning, and uh, a journalist who will remain nameless says to me, well, what about that, Brown? Uh, and I had read his report in the morning that said, 
Italy treated Scotland with predictable contempt. They didn't even bother with a warm-up, right? So I read that. So <laughs> this important journalist says to me, uh, what about that last night, Brown? I says, well, what about your report this morning? And he kind of, I says, if you can't get your facts right, how can any reader possibly believe your, your opinions when you can't even get basic facts right? And he was... I said, you wrote, they didn't bother with a warm-up. It's the highest tempo warm-up I've ever seen. And because you didn't see it, well, I made a mistake because I had another eight years in that job. Oh, and papers concerned slaughtered me for eight years because I publicly, now I always say to managers, there's no need, that was a stupid thing to do, to identify a journalist and criticise him in front of his colleagues. Although one or two of them are saw going, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember the day you got told you were going to be the Scotland manager? Well, that was just after that, yes. I was asked by the president, I think it was George Pete, and the chief executive. They, they, they asked me, we were playing Malta the next game, and the day before the game, or the day of the game, they said, would you like to take the job permanently? And, and I said, yeah, oh, that would be great. Now, we'd been beaten by Italy, although we had played quite well. You know, it was a creditable defeat, if yeah. that's, you know, the old uh, Scottish cliche, you know, they did well in defeat. But I was before the game in Malta, I was asked, and the president told the players in the dressing room, and, and it was quite pleasing for me because they all clapped, you know. And McAllister was the captain at the time. I think Colin Henry was, I don't think he was playing that day. I can't remember. McAllister, all the best, thanks. You know, now I knew him, of course, as a boy from Motherwell, from Aye. the Fifth Park Boys Club. But uh, the response from the dressing room when they, they heard I was to get the job was good. Uh, right, Euro 96. Uh, the fact that uh, the finals were in England, was that a major yes. reason for you that I you had to qualify? I was told by the chief executive, if we don't qualify more or less, when it's next door, you're sacked. It was more or less, there's many words. So we had to qualify. Now, to qualify for Euro 96, we played uh, only, I think it was only eight qualification games, would it be? Eight, but, but I, I do remember this, we lost only three goals wow. in eight games. And then to qualify for the World Cup in 98, 10 games, and we lost only three goals. So we were brilliantly... Defensive, uh, defensively, uh, uh, the organisation of the back three and the goalkeeper. We had wonderful goalkeeping. Leighton's record as a Scotland goalkeeper, I think he's got he's 91 caps. I think he's got 42 clean sheets out oh, of 90. Man. Now, this is the Scotland goalie. Yeah. No, no, the England or the Italy or the German goalkeeper. Scotland, 90, 91, 42 clean sheets. Now, a lot of them were in these games and he was unbeatable. And the back three were fantastic. And we had to, usually had a, a sitting midfield player in front of them. So it's hard to get through Calderwood, Henry and Boyd because it was a terrific balance. Boyd had the pace, Henry won everything in the air, Calderwood could tackle anything. Uh, Good so balance. They, they had every attribute, the three of them. What was it? What, what else? Did, was there anything else you changed when you became manager? Or was it just all about the standards with the. No, well, they didn't change, I know. They knew the standards because a lot of them were with the under 21 team. and and. People kind of despise you, they say, oh, that's, uh, you're treating them like schoolboys, but they never, they want to know what they're wearing. Mm. And, and if you, we even excelled, I felt, when we went to the World Cup in France and we put the kilt on. I mean, that took a real trick. 
and they want the players wanted it. They thought this was great. Now they'd never done that before. And if you look at the the anthem, every shirt, as you said, Reynolds there, every shirt's inside. Uh, now these are international players, and people say to you, "Well, they must be hard to handle." They're, they're actually easier to handle. You know, it's a guy with two or three caps. I'll not mention him. But uh, I'll not mention John Spencer. No, <laughs> 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 well, but Spenny used to talk, and I said, Spenny, you know, you've had two shites at Hamden, you think you're a player. <laughs> you know? Oh, tremendous. And, and, but Spenny, would, would, he would talk, you know, and I said, we've seen you playing, Spenny, you know. Now, he, he, was, he was a very good player. Yeah. In fact, I played him against England, you know, when, when uh, it was an important game. Left my coist off and played Spenny at the start. Which maybe with hindsight again, <coughs> McCoy's always getting dropped. In it, I love it. No, no, no. McCoy's was always picked, <laughs> but latterly, after his injuries, and he he had gone, you know, he had not scored the way he used to, and he'd been off the boil a bit. That's my opinion. Because yeah. uh, he, he friend in a friendly fashion, he disagrees with me, you know, and and he's when he when he wasn't picked for the World Cup, and he did media work. He never said a word against me. Brilliant, you know, uh, he respect. Aye. No, but he could have gone on and said Brown this and Brown that. He was so supportive. And uh, he, he definitely said uh, positive things all through. So uh, I can't complain. England were getting pelts for that trip in Holland. Uh, Holland camp was in turmoil. Did you, did you feel like you had a realistic chance of qualifying? Yeah, I did. I, I, was, I thought the team was good. I think we were to score against us it'll be a problem for yeah. the opposition. Uh, and I genuinely thought, when we went to Euro 96, I didn't ever say it, because you get egg in your face if you say what you're going to do, but I actually felt that we've have a good team here, and if we can uh, score a goal, it, it, the problem was scoring, because we were defending very well, and uh, to get a goal. So I, I actually went down there very optimistically. Mm. Uh, how proud are you stand in the dugout against Holland? First major tournament as a manager of Scotland. Uh, I, I I'm accused of being uh, too maybe a bit calm and a bit unmoved. You know, but see, I think I was never uh, starstruck or overawed with an international match or a big game, and I think that came about because when I was only 17, I went into the dressing room at Ibrox, which was full of, you know, Nevin Shearer and Calder, Stars, you know, yeah. that lot. It was full of big, st and therefore I looked at a footballer, not as a god or an idol, just as a guy, as a as a pal quite often, and, and they were just guys, and a lot of big time players very insecure. Now I think it's it's got better now. They're much more secure now financially, particularly in England, where the amount of <laughs> the amount of money earned is quite unbelievable. Uh, it's almost almost obscene. You know, I don't like to be critical of it, but. Even in my time, if you know, if if a player was getting twenty grand a week, a million a year in England, that was a good, that was a good salary. Yeah. And but they were very responsive. There wasn't any hassle I found anyway. And I think a wee bit of humour helps. Mm. To if you can throw in a line, you get know, on one side. Aye, and uh, and you know something about them that you can. Drop in. Drew, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you say, draw with Holland. Uh, England had an underwhelming opening game. Did that give you confidence that you could beat them? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm always confident. You know, no matter who we play, really, right? Brazil in the World Cup, I was always 
you know. And why was that? Because of the standard of player, or just? I, I, I felt too secure in the, the fact that this, these guys wouldn't let you down. They wouldn't let Scotland down. Yeah. And, and I don't think in any occasion they did. Now we lost three nothing in the last game in the World Cup. I'm jumping away ahead, but we lost three nothing. But if you look at the stats of the game, and I'm accused of doing that, we had more of everything than uh, Morocco. You know, uh, we, we had and we got a man sent off. Uh, Craig Burley gets sent off. When he got sent off, it was one nothing for them, and we start to go for the, we start to attack them to try and get a goal back, which left it a bit. The counter attack. Aye, and so that, you know, there was no game, no international game where I felt we got a doing. In yeah. fact, we we didn't in terms of goals against because we just didn't, uh, you know, we didn't lose goals. Well, we less than average of in my time. An average of less than a goal a game, we lost. Now, at top level international, that's good. Yeah. You know, there was one or two games we had major disappointments. We get well thrashed by Yugoslavia when I was the assistant in Zagreb. We lost 4 1. But th their team was just absolutely incredible. And you were assistant, so you're not taking credit for that. Are you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> when the game was in the balance at half time, did you think it was set up for us to go and win? Oh, I thought we had a great chance. I really yeah. did. Shearer scored for England, didn't he? Yeah, Shearer had scored, but I still thought we were uh, well equipped to to do it. To get some in the high. And uh, it was unfortunate that to, I don't think there was anyone could be faulted. You know, I'm looking to see. If, uh, uh, and we missed the penalty. What's your emotions like when McAllister misses that penalty? Uh, oh, you're, you're, if anyone had to take a penalty, you would be thinking, he's your man. Mm. Especially against Great England. Technique, didn't you? Uh -huh. Now, incidentally, the next penalty we got, the first game of the next qualification, was in Belarus. And we won one nothing. it was a penalty. McAllister took it and he scored. <laughs> I wish he'd scored against England. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, I thought, and then, they were, I thought they were going to be taking Gascoigne off before he scored the winner because we're looking down and I'm sure his number was getting looked out and I said to Alec Miller, I said, I've taken Gascoigne off, that's good for us because he had been quite quiet. I mean, our boys knew to close him down and, and then uh, he scored that wonder goal and that, but I wish they'd taken him oh, off. Uh, we interviewed McCoyst and he says he's one regret in football is that he never hit Gary McAllister's penalty. What? McCoy said he's one regret in football oh, was not hitting the penalty. Yeah, was, right. it a, was it a designated penalty taker yeah, or who uh, chose? Did you choose McA McAllister? No, no it's well, McAllister was the, the, the. I always did first penalty, right. second penalty, because I didn't like the same guy taking a second penalty. Now, I know that's against my argument that if you score, the goal's bigger the next time you shoot. But I think if you're taking the second penalty, you have a decision do I do the same or do I change, change it? it so I never let the same guy take the second penalty, I always changed it. So, uh, I think McCoy was the second penalty taker. Right. I'm not sure, but so McAllister then McCoy. Okay. Uh, after guys is good, do you just sometimes need to hold your hand up to to brilliance yeah. like that? Oh, uh, I, well, that was. I mean that. You know, and I, I spoke to him afterwards. And Gaz is the most likable guy. <laughs> Everybody loves him. What did he say to you afterwards? Did he? Oh, he said, oh, he was sorry, he was apologising. He said, oh, good goal, you know, you like my goal, you know. I said, ah, you liked your goal, but I didn't like it against us. <laughs> you know, but you know, he couldn't be angry with Gaza. How was the dressing room after a defeat like that? Is it? Very, very depressed, very low. And that's, you were talking about after the game, I went back to tell them we got a room for them. And it was, a, it was in a bar, a room the size of the room we're in just now, and, and no one else in the room apart from the players, and they could have a drink. Television was there if they wanted to see it. 
One or two guys, McAllister, for example, he was away doing a BBC interview immediately after missing the penalty, which took a bit of bottle, that. Mm. The rest of them were there having a drink and uh, to try and uh, get it... Light in the mood, of head, Aye, light in the mood. So, mm. But it was, you know, it was a heartbreak to lose in that fashion. Yeah, uh, Switzerland game, McCoy scores a win in the 36th minute, but her fate still depends on England and Holland result. Mm -hmm. Did you think that, that the result would go away or did you know that... No, that no, I thought, I thought when we were playing the last game, eh, I thought you know, we were getting words of the score and yeah. we, were, we were through at one point. Mm. And therefore we didn't go chasing, we just made sure we didn't lose another goal, lose a goal. And eh, unfortunately... Eh, they get one through the keeper's legs, I think, you know. Uh, so it was a disaster for us. But, you know, you couldn't, other than commend the players, I thought they did well down there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Euro 96 being so close to Scotland, it, it was important that we did well. Yeah. It would be more important that we qualified, but we didn't, uh, unfortunately. See, is it hard for an international manager when you get get that, you've got a good group together, you've suffered a wee bit of disappointment and then they'll need to go away. Whereas right, a club manager, they can put it right the next week. Does that's it, right. Does it linger so away long, for months? It does. It's a long wait to your next game, especially if it's a tournament. Uh -huh. Then your next game is not for, you know, several months and you're, you're hanging about waiting and then you're wondering, you're having to look at them. Are they ready for the next challenge? But they certainly were because I remember our first game was Belarus in the next campaign, and I'm sure it was McAllister who scored the only goal. The penalty, as you said. Penalty, aye. Right. Uh, France 98 qualifying controversy, obviously, the Estonia game. Talk us through the madness of that trip. Were you still worried that boys would go out there and have a nightmare against nobody? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I thought that was a certainty. If we, we were told, and I feel quite bitter about that, uh, we were told by the match delegate, if you turn up, take the kick off, you'll get the points. That was, a, that was the instruction. He was quite sure, a French delegate. So I was, then they made us replay the game in mm. Monaco, which is a good one. Did the boys still warm up for that game? Aye, they warm up. They did everything, because I thought, I thought they'll turn up. Did you, right? Uh, so you were expecting them to come I thought, they'll, I thought they'll, they'll, they'll come ready to play. They'll come in a bus ready. The dressing room was empty. So did you do a team talk in that as well? Yeah, everything is normal. Everything. Absolutely. They'll tell you that we did, that we did the lot because I was certain that uh, they would turn up. And uh, then we were told, well, they weren't, not at that time. When they didn't turn up, we took the kick off, as you know, and uh, we were brilliant, nobody made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the boys went home thinking, well, we've got three points, because that's, I told them that, and the delegate told me. Then we get the word that we had to replay it in Monaco. And it finishes now, no, doesn't it? Aye, which was a, which was an amusing one because uh, the day the day of the Monaco game, I'm jumping ahead of you, sorry. That's alright. The day of the Monaco game, I'm walking in the marina in Monte Carlo with Willie McDougall, the chief superintendent, who was a security guy, right. big Willie, and the fans are milling around that marina. Oh, Willie, how's it going, Craig? How's it going, Willie? Look at the boats, Willie. Says, Son, they're no boats. They're yachts. Very expensive yachts. And Willie says to him, look at that one over there, son. It belongs to the Aga Khan. The guy says, aye, my mum's got one of these cookers. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even beat the tart <laughs> An answer for everything. Brilliant. Uh, as you said, it was no, no that game. UEFA president was Swedish. Sweden were in our group. Aye, aye. Do you think they had something well, to do with it? Well, a lot of folk think, aye. What about you? Do you think that? Well, I think 
there's a conspiracy theory that, you know, you've got to not discount it. Yeah. I don't want in trouble with the uh, UEFA, but it looked a bit, a bit dodgy. dodgy. Huh? Ah, yeah. So how, did that make qualifi- qualification all the more satisfying? Yes. We were lucky to, well, I say lucky, we were glad to qualify rather. And uh, I was glad we qualified because if we'd failed to qualify after that, miss, I, I think it would have been a real... You know, it's a wee bit like I, th- I had an under-16 team and we were beaten by overage players by Costa, uh, by, uh, Saudi Arabia. Costa Rica, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Andy McClanty tells that story. Aye. Aye. Andy was a good young lad who's done well. I heard him recently talk down there at Kilmarnock. Uh-huh, he talks well, didn't Outstanding. he? Outstanding. Uh-huh. Uh, France 98, real frenzy of the Brazilian team. Are you happy that you get the favourites, that you're going to get a chance to play against them or... Does it fill you with dread as well? What no, the I, I could would have be? liked a softer group to yeah. get through. I'd like, when I wanted to get through. Now, when you play in Brazil, to get through my group containing Brazil, you're, you're looking for second place, mm. and and then you've got some still stiff opposition in the group as well. So, yeah, disappointed. But they were the world champions, and you know it was they opened the tournament. I think now. That's uh, opened by the host, host country, nation, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it was a big game, maybe the biggest game in Scotland's history. That one. Would they have been the best team you played against? Aye, I th- oh, without doubt, I think Brazil. When you look at go through them, man for man, they were exceptional. We played Germany, and they had a big name team, uh, and we played Italy with the top players in it as well. So, yeah. But I think. That Brazilian team was exceptional, and they, I phoned Bobby Robson to ask him what to do with Ronaldo. You know, the, the big striker uh-huh, boy. Fat Ronaldo. He says, "I fat." He says, says the best striker I've ever had, and I've had a few. I've had Careca, I've had Romario, I've had Lineker, I've had all these guys. This guy is exceptional. I said, "Do you man mark him? No chance." He said, "If you man mark him, he'll just roll round your marker." So I said, "What do you do?" I'm asking Bobby. He says analyse our recent games and see where he gets the ball and stop the supply to him. Now, we did that. I looked at nine games they'd played and we found that most of his passes came from Cafu, the right back. He drove it right up to his feet. So we marked Cafu, I think, quite successfully. And uh, I thought, in the game, Cafu didn't... hardly gave him a ball. And as he said to Christian Daly, who was the man up there on Cafu, I said, if Cafu gets a ball to that striker... You're on the bench, you're substituted. That's <laughs> always the line, isn't That's it? That's a threat. You're, you're, you're beside me. Uh, right, back to World Cup opening game with Brazil. Amazing buzz at France 98, especially opening it. Was it, was it excitement or was it nerves? Yeah, no, it was exciting. I, and, I, and I think I've said before that the, going in the kilt was a masterstroke. Was that your idea? Out. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to take the credit. I'm not sure. We, I, I remember having a team meeting with the lads. And I always said to them, look, we're travelling on flights when we're preparing for this. Uh, are we wearing we're uniform, are we wearing leisure gear or are we wearing suits? And in the conversation, you know, I think a joke, somebody, we'll go in the kilt. I said, hey, that's no a bad, bad idea. idea. Yeah. And we got a deal with a kilt manufacturer and he gave us all a kilt outfit and he put money into the player pool for us to wear the kilts. Now, don't, I'm ashamed here, I can't even remember the name of the manufacturer because he would want to be named. He deserved to be named yeah. because he gave us all a the whole staff and the players all got a complete outfit, which are still wearing a lot of their guys. Oh, you, know, was it, uh, you said everyone was the same. Was it pants or no pants? 
Everybody's <laughs> the same. I don't, I don't know. We didn't, they, didn't they investigate? <laughs> uh, well, what was your thinking to when they go ahead after five minutes? Oh, do no. you do you actually stand on the side and think, please don't let this be a doing? Aye, aye. You, you say, oh well, wait a minute. This could be. This is, this is Brazil, and you know these you, these yellow shirts are hypnotic. You know, mm. I should say, gone out. I'm so nervous. There's a good film of us leaving the dressing room. The boys are so nervous, they're all going out and Jackson goes the other way. Oh no, it's not Jackson's name, uh, Calderwood, he goes the other way, he's so... Uh -huh. He came out of the dressing room, turn left instead of turning right. Wow. The whole team's... But I was proud of them lined up immaculately for the anthem, and I was proud of them singing the anthem. Is that you a know. big thing for you as manager, aye, singing aye, the anthem? You should say, we sing the anthem. Yeah. And of course, a lot of them were trained with under-21 teams. See, a lot of Anglos, you had to teach them the words, and I said, if you don't know the words, just make your mouth go. I said that, if you know the <laughs> English boys. Aye. Uh, because they come up to, you know, Big Matt Elliott and that. He's going like that. Yeah. And he's a great guy, Big Matt. Mm. <laughs> uh, see, once we'd scored the equaliser, did you find that they weren't as formidable as you first thought? Well, that's what we, we thought. We had a wee chance, yes. We did. And, uh, you know, throughout the game, I think the percentage of everything was pretty safe, pretty even. You know, when you look at the, the match Stats. analysis, aye, yeah. it was... Pretty even uh, now for us to be even with Brazil. Although Brazil weren't quite the Brazil of the, they used to be, you know, but they're still <laughs> they're still yeah. Brazil. And I do remember that uh, uh, Germany beat them in the last World Cup there over in Brazil. And I thought Germany gave us a great example of humility when they beat the host country in the semi final. They didn't need to do this jumping about then. They just walked, shook hands, went off calmly. Uh -huh. uh, was it gut-wrenching how we lost the game? Your, your man Tom Boyd? Aye, Tom, aye, well. Tom, yeah. no, one, no one has ever faulted Tom and I yeah. wouldn't. It was a pure accident that hit his chest. <laughs> and it was really rough on Tom. Because uh -huh. he, he's one of our most reliable guys. You know, and I've said to you that Tom Boyd is a perfect example of anyone of it for any young player that wants to aspire to the top level without any showing, you know, with the humility that he's got and the conscientious attitude, terrific. Who did you say was the best player again that you, that you managed at Scotland? Douglish. Do well, that you I, managed him. Oh, I would have thought that maybe, uh, Matt, maybe McAllister, although there was an, an incident that we had to take him off, the fans were getting on to him. McAllister arguably, but I say Boyd in terms of dependability, every game, turning up, whatever the instruction was. He would do it. And usually there was a good player that we maybe needed to deal with and mm. sometimes it would be uh, Tommy Boyd. And I mean, I remember Russia away from home, very important, and frozen, minus 11. And the pitch is uh, pretty hard, although they'd under soil heat and it was hard enough. And Kanchelskis was still, it wasn't he split, it wasn't he Ukraine then? Right. And Boyd put him right in the game. Brilliant. Uh, after a draw with Norway, there's still a chance to qualify going to the final game. Aye. Disappointing 3 0 to Morocco. Aye. Disappointing. Well, I, f I felt uh, we were all right in that game. And they were, uh, if people denigrate them or they say, oh, it was Morocco, they shouldn't. Morocco were the African champions. Mm. Now, if it had been one of the better known African teams, it would have been maybe Ghana or Nigeria or yeah. South Africa, 
Now, they won that uh, group handsomely. And they were the African champions, and they had some. <laughs> and Morocco's. Mustafa uh, Hadji was brilliant. Uh, Hadji, Hadji, yeah. Hadji, I, I think they've, you know, they've got six times the population of Scotland. They're football mad. I went over there. I went over to Casablanca to see them, and to get a wee bit feel, and, and I saw them, and they were good. Now, the analysis of the game will tell you that we had more possession. Would you believe we had more uh, corner kicks? That I always get slagged for saying, well, we beat them in corners. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the press like loves that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we beat them in... But uh, we had more of everything, more shots on target. That, and yet we lost 3-0. Fine marking, I, I, I used to... I fell out... Not fall out, but I disagreed. Archie McPherson wrote a book. You know, it's a good book about international football. And, and he talked about humiliation. I said... Actually, the result was a humiliating result, maybe 3 nothing. But if you were at the game and you were at the game, you should have... I said to Archie, it wasn't a humiliation, mm. the game. But the result looks terrible. But if you analyse it and you're fair, and you're fair-minded, you say that was the most unfortunate set of circumstances. Now, when the Burley got sent off from a tackle from behind, which was newly introduced, any tackle from behind... Red it was card. a bad tackle, certainly, but he was he was removed. So then, when a man shot, up and we're trying, we could you could have played the game and lost one nothing, but you're trying to attack and be a wee bit adventurous. So we go forward. I think I'm not sure. I think I put Jackie McNamara on and tried to. He's an attacking defender, you know. When Burley come, trying to remember who took off, but I definitely know we went mentally to try and get something. Get something at the game, I think. Uh, we feel to qualify for the next two tour tournaments. Uh, could you sense the level of talent was the, what it once was? Yeah, in recent years, well, over the last two decades, the talent hasn't been... Why do you think that is? I, I think quite a number of reasons. The kids nowadays are, are playing with these things in their hand. Mm. And they're not playing football the way they used to. Now, you say that applies to other countries too, but it may well do. And, and We don't have the facilities indoor comfortable facilities like for example in, in Iceland Reykjavik seven indoor pitches we've got five in Scotland now Reykjavik's 350,000 people mm. I mean a fraction of the size and they say why are Iceland progressing it's not to do with coaching we've got brilliant coaches still in Scotland I'm sure and, and even the club you know when I say even the club managers are first class but the material they're working with I mean I was working with guys three of my team when I had the job, won the uh, English Championship. Blackburn Rovers won it, won it. Now, you've got Henry, you've got Gallagher, and you've McKinley. And Billy McKinley wasn't always in the team, as she says. Get... And that was your squad, they'd won the, the Premier League, the three of them, uh -huh. uh, they were won in the squad, Premier League. Uh -huh. You've got a player in your squad that's won the Champions League. Then that was uh, Paul Lambert. You've got Celtic and Rangers players who were in European finals. Now, can you see the difference? In, now, we're picking boys now from the Championship in England. England. Champion, uh -huh. And I know, I'm not saying denigrating or uh, they've been disparaging about the Championship, because we, Ryan Fraser, is a great wee player. But the players that we were eliminating, were leaving out, were better than some of the, the, the guys. And, and I'm looking, and when Gordon Strachan was getting a hard time, the presser saying to me, what do you think, should Strachan go, should Strachan stay? I said, it's no strike, it's the quality of players he's got. Mm. And it's still, it's improving a lot now. 
you can see, I think, it's you coming can see, back again. Like, you see, we've got the boys in the mid middle of the park now, the McGinns of the world, and the, mm -hmm. we've got the, the Robertsons and the Tierneys, and uh, we're get, you know, and Big McKenna. We're getting players now yeah. that are beginning to uh, brighten the scene. Uh, when did you feel it was the right time to resign? Well, I felt, uh, I felt that having, I was ashamed uh, having failed to qualify. Now, I think it was by one point, it was just, and when we failed to qualify for the last, I had four attempts at qualification, we got out of the group in three. We qualified and then we got to the playoff against England. So, when you feel you, you're not qualifying, I, I felt, and I, I think, the, uh, there was a surprise when I said I was giving up because <laughs> when he called me, Archie Knox says, you're daft. I said, Archie, they're fed up with me. I've been eight years on the job. I had two four-year contracts and I was eight years the assistant before that mm. with Andy. You know, now the, the, the media, the players might be, but the media are fed up. You can change the players, but you can't change the, the, the press corps. Mm. And they're a bit fed up with the same... Same voice. Aye, and the same stories, the same everything, maybe the same players. So I, I spoke to, the night before we played Latvia at home, I said to the, the backroom staff, I didn't tell the players till after the game, I told the backroom staff, I'm, I'm resigning, and I phoned the president and I phoned the chief executive and told them. I've, I've got to say, neither was pleading with me to stay. <laughs> you know, they didn't, oh, you don't need to do that sort of thing, but they didn't say, well, please stay or anything, or can we meet you to try and dissuade you? They, they said, uh, we'll respect your uh, wishes. So after the game, uh, the press were, they didn't have a clue. We won the game too. And I went in and I said, this is my last game. Uh, I've decided that it's time to get a new start. And incidentally, I thought, Bertie Bowles was an inspired appointment, I must admit, when, it, when he was appointed, his CV was so good. Mm. But, but I said to the press, and one, only one journalist said, <laughs> and I remember him, he said, don't you think you should have done that four years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I felt, I didn't really retaliate. They, the, they were all there and it was getting filmed. I felt like saying, you're still writing that same shite. You should have, been, <laughs> you should have retired yeah, four years ago. But, but uh, so I felt... And I think I was 62 or something. 62 is uh, to think the age I'm now that I've been lucky that I've stayed involved in the game. I've been the luckiest guy in football to still be involved. In, and when I retired at Aberdeen uh, in 2013, it was, yeah, I'm trying to think. The years back, when I retired, I mean, I couldn't have been more privileged than Stuart Milne to say, would you stay on as a director? And I said, well, do you want me to, anything for me to do? I don't want to hang about doing that. He says, there's plenty, you'll find out there's plenty. Yeah. Well, I'm finding that out, and I'm, I'm actually delighted because I'm, I was away in Finland last week, I'm away up in, in the, to Tbilisi, to Georgia, tomorrow, and that's to represent the club as one of the directors and meet the, you know, I, I think my job is, I suppose, ambassadorial, but there's plenty of stuff for me to do at Aberdeen Football Club. But I never did anything to do with the football, the team, because of an excellent manager. And it's not for me to say, if Derek said to me, or Tony Dodd, if, if it said, what about that player or that? I would, and I have very occasionally, because they're spot on, these guys. But 
you know, football has given me so many laughs, so many enjoyment, enjoyable moments, and therefore uh, I just can't thank people enough for tolerating me all these years, and especially just in the last six or seven years, uh, Stuart Milne keep me on the board at Aberdeen, where uh, there's a smashing football club, and it's a delight to be involved, and to think that that's a sign 61 years ago as a young boy at Rangers. Wow. And uh, my career was all down after that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I had a very good youth career and a, and a, a, a limping along uh, senior career, a, a good wee time at Dundee when we won the league and the Dundee team got into the semi-final European Cup before Celtic won it. I've got to say Dundee, uh, four years before that, won the semi-final, wow. beaten in, by AC Milan in two legs. but. And then Celtic won it in 67, so then I was so lucky to be in that group and uh, didn't give me a game at that time right enough, but I, I, I managed to get a league championship medal and, and that's maybe a proudest, the proudest uh, moment at Dundee. Right. Then I limped along at Falkirk, I got rid of three managers, the one that signed me got the sack. Type the, of guy managers the sack. The, the one that came got the sack <laughs> and uh, John Prentice sacked me. So uh, the one that signed me was Alec McRae, then Sammy Keane, they both got the sack while I was there at Falkirk. And then the third one came, he knew a player, John Prentice, because he sacked me. And I know, I, I, I thought it was a smashing football club at Falkirk. I have no uh, recrimination, no regrets, because I was in one leg and uh, didn't do as well as I should have. But so to have lasted 60 years, more than 60 years in football, I've got to acknowledge it's been a real privilege and I don't for one minute take anything for granted. I'm so grateful to the people that's allowed me to be as long in the game. What a career. Thanks very much, Craig. Thanks, Cheers. Simon. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers.